0: For those of you who have been following along during my preaching this summer, I am continuing with the Hebrew Bible readings from our Revised Common Lectionary. So our scripture reading for today comes from the book of Hosea. Hosea is one of the twelve prophets, um, the Prophets from the book of the Twelve in the Hebrew Bible. He's the first one we are reading from the eleventh chapter. When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. The more I called them, the more they went from me. They kept sacrificing to the Baals and offering incense to idols. Yet it was I who taught Ephraim to walk. I took them up in my arms, but they did not know that I healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with bands of love. I was to them like those who lift infants to their cheeks. I bent down to them and fed them. They shall return to the land of Egypt, and Assyria shall be their king because they have refused to return to me. The sword rages in their cities. It consumes their oracle priests and devours because of their schemes. My people are bent on turning away from me. To the Most High they call, but he does not raise them up at all. How can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I hand you over, O Israel? How can I make you like Adma? How can I treat you like Zeboim? My heart recoils within me. My compassion grows warm and tender. I will not execute my fierce anger. I will not again destroy Ephraim. For I am God and no mortal, the Holy One in your midst. And I will not come in wrath. They shall go after the Lord who roars like a lion. When he roars, his children shall come trembling from the west. They shall come trembling like birds from Egypt and like doves from the land of Assyria. And I will return them to their homes, says the Lord. May God bless to our hearing and our understanding these words of scripture. When you hear the name God, what image do you immediately think of? What characteristics or metaphors? How do you picture God? How would you describe God to someone who asked? Does anyone have images that come immediately to mind? Anybody want to share any? Yeah. Yeah. A big hug. I love that. Image of God as a big hug. Yeah. with With water today. Absolutely. There's lots of different ways, and uh, if, it's okay if you don't want to shout it out, but hold it in your head. Hold whatever comes to your mind when you think about God. Some people at our beach service this morning shared, teacher, uh, someone said an old white man with a white beard sitting up on a throne somewhere. <laughs> lots of different ways that we can picture God. We have many different ways that we talk about and experience God. None of them is fully perfect, and none of them is the right way or the wrong way. The beauty and challenge of our religious tradition is that we know God, and God knows us and wants to know us as intimately as anyone possibly could, and yet we cannot fully understand God. We can experience God, can feel and talk about and interact with God, but we will never be able to fully comprehend how God works and the fullness of who God is. But that certainly doesn't mean that we don't try. At its purest form, the Bible is a whole library of different books written by people across time and across space trying to put into words an indescribable experience of a truly unfathomable God. Human language, as beautiful and capable of artistry as it is, is ultimately incapable of encapsulating God. God doesn't fit into our books of the Bible. God is bigger than our words, bigger than our language, bigger than our capacity to speak and write. Add in the challenge of translation, that we are not reading these texts in the original language they were written in, and it becomes even clearer that the picture of God that we have in the Bible is holy, but incomplete. Luckily for us, however, God is a good teacher. God knows we cannot fully understand, but God wants to be known to the extent that is possible. So through the work of those who wrote our scripture, God provides us with metaphors to better understand. Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd. Isaiah 64 says, We are the clay, and you, God, are our potter. Psalm 18 reads, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. And I'm sure you all can think of plenty more. They are present all throughout the Bible all the ways that God appears to the people, all the ways that Jesus speaks about God and the kingdom of God in his parables. Our scripture is full of these diverse images for God. They create this web of understanding that is complex and intricate. Some of the metaphors that the Bible uses for God may resonate well with you and others might not. Some might even make you uncomfortable In her book, Battered Love, scholar Renita Weems writes of the benefit of metaphors in scripture that they, quote, teach us how to imagine what has previously remained unimaginable. But as Weems explores in her book, some of the metaphors that we read in scripture or use commonly in our churches have the potential for great harm. Her book focuses on those that, taken out of context or believed too literally, could condone or even encourage abuse. One such example might be the idea of self-sacrifice, as it is highlighted in our passion narratives around Lent and Easter. And I know uh, David and Vanessa and I have preached on this throughout this year. The idea that glorifying suffering can possibly allow some to mandate suffering as holier than resistance. According to Weems, the problem is that when metaphors stop being metaphors, or devices that point beyond themselves, then they become the actual literal understanding. Weems says that thinking metaphorically also entails holding intention with one another, the similarity and dissimilarity of two things. These metaphors only work insofar as we see and acknowledge that they are imperfect, imperfect. The image is not the thing itself. Any one metaphor we use to understand God is not God. In the book of Hosea, the first of the minor prophets, God condemns Israel for its idolatry and its unfaithfulness to God. That's mentioned even in the passage I just read, talking about Israel abandoning God and praying to the Baals. The language that begins the book several chapters earlier is harsh, perhaps one of the harshest in the prophetic corpus. In fact, Hosea was an option in last week's lectionary too, but I couldn't bring myself to preach on it because the language is so uncomfortable, even offensive. The primary metaphor used there is of Israel as an unfaithful wife and God as a betrayed husband forced to punish his wife's transgressions. That language is violent and vile. Especially for those who have had to experience intimate partner violence, whether directly or indirectly, the idea of God as a husband inflicting a supposedly deserved violent punishment on his wife is absolutely horrific. But Hosea is a complicated book. Here, the passage I just read takes a sharp turn away from that hard imagery. And instead, we're looking at God as a parent, There is beauty in the tender language that God uses here, speaking through Hosea. God reminisces like a parent remembering poignant moments in their relationship with their child. Nurturing unconditional love. Compassion despite the child's flaws and mistakes. Yearning for closeness from the very depths of the soul. Promises of infinite mercy where just a few chapters earlier, there were assurances of punishment and destruction. How could we have two such conflicting images for God in the same book? The differences here are clear. Like Weems says, we have to hold in tension the similarities and the differences of the metaphors we use for God and what we know to be true of the real God, our God, who we know. What stands out to me as a constant across these images, across all the varied metaphors that we have for God, is the emphasis on relationship. Whether at times that relationship is more like that of partners struggling with betrayal, and at other times it's more like a parent yearning for reconnection with their child. But in all cases, God is in relationship with us. We can use metaphors of relationships we have with other humans, but none of them will completely fit. We need all different types of relationship to begin to try to imagine how close we are with God, because God is so far beyond anything we can see and experience in our world. We participate in our traditions, our scriptures, We tell the stories of God, knowing that we are not the final authority, but trusting in the mystery of God to fill in the gaps. It is this trust that allows us to stand together as a congregation, affirming our belief in a God who we experience as somehow three and one at the same time, one we do not fully understand but know intimately all the same. Leaning on that web of metaphor and trusting in the divine mystery of it all is what we commit to when we engage in holy sacraments like baptism. Yes, God is the fisher of men, Jesus calling to the disciples on the seashore, telling them to put down their nets, leave their families behind, to pick up their crosses and commit themselves to the hard work of preaching God's justice and liberation. God is the teacher instructing the apostles and urging them to understand because they have a job to do and they must be up to the task. This is why in the Baptist tradition where I come from, we baptize people as adults. Following Jesus' biblical custom of baptizing those ready to commit their lives to God out of their own free will. This idea that God has a job for people to do and for Baptists, baptism is committing to that. But God is also the good shepherd, protecting the helpless sheep and gathering them back into the fold when they stray. God is also the artist sculpting humanity lovingly in their image. God is also the loving parent, promising love and life and everlasting grace to the most vulnerable child. The child least able to earn that grace or to do anything to accomplish that grace given as a free, never-ending gift, sealed with the sign of baptism. Our God truly is indescribable, but that does not mean that our God is unknowable. So we strive each day, with each prayer, with each scripture we read, each person in need we help, each act of loving kindness we perform and receive, to know God a little bit better to expand our minds to different images of God, different ways God might show up, different types of relationships we might have with God on any given day, opening our minds to who God is and what God might be doing in us today. May we be open to seeing all of those different images, to recognize them in the world around us. Amen.